Well, good morning, Grace. Praise Jesus that we made the decision with the other Bible-believing and Christ-honoring churches here in Santa Maria and around the world to join in the choir of praise to God. Amen? We get to join with our brothers and sisters here and around the world, refreshing our souls and establishing ourselves for our joy, for His glory, and for the growth of His kingdom. Let's pray one more time. Lord, as we come before Your Word, pray that You would be pleased to speak to us. And Lord, that You would open our hearts and open our minds and You would do the work to change us and make us the men and women of God You have created us to be. Bless us, Father, so that we will be a blessing. In Jesus' name, Amen. My family and I recently took a vacation. We were gone. We went south to go visit my nephew who was graduating high school. And then we went east after that to go see the Grand Canyon. And for several reasons, we had to cut our vacation short, which turned out to be okay because as most dads in this room, we have a lot of honeydews around the house to do. Amen? Well, one of the things that I did is I built a lean-to on the side of my yard so I can get some room in my boy's garage. I won't show you a picture of that or of the table that I made for my son, but I will show you a picture of the Reagan rack. This is my Reagan rack. I was recently at the Reagan ranch, and in his tack room, he had something very similar to this, and I really wanted it to hold my garden tools and the one in my home who calls herself a spider monkey. Now, back to my lean-to, I, I got the frame all built, and I got ready to, to put the roof on and slid my uh, plywood up there, and it didn't fit. My frame wasn't exactly square. And I'm not sure whether the fact that it wasn't square is more evidence that I am not the carpenter I think I am, or if it's evidence that the Lord did not build that house and therefore my labor is in vain. I'm not sure, but praise Jesus for God's grace and for flashing I can buy at Home Depot. And that brings us naturally to Father's Day. Now, many of you who have known me for the last 12 or 13 years know that I am not a fan of what I call Hallmark holidays. These are holidays that the greeting card industry has invented to make loads of money off of us. But as I got a new pair of boots, and as I was preparing in this passage when Pastor Benji uh, gave me the opportunity to preach today, I became more amenable. So, happy Father's Day, gentlemen. But Father's Day is not just about getting boots and barbecue ribs. As great as both of those are, Father's Day is a challenge for us to trust the Lord. In the last 20 years, most of the counseling that I have done in my office has been the direct result of men who have failed their families. 
My friends, we have a very short time to help our children become the men and women that God has created them to be. And that is why you don't have to be a dad this morning. You don't even have to be male this morning in order to get something from this passage. You just need to be someone who has ears to hear. Now, can a parent determine what their children will do when they have their freedom that they've been given? No. Are the parents ultimately accountable for their children? Of course not. But the Bible holds the father to a very high degree of responsibility. And Solomon, in our passage today, helps us to understand that responsibility. We are going to see that we must trust, we must work, we must rejoice, and we got to get up and do it all over again the next morning. If we put our passage into one sentence, I would say that it is this. You must work knowing the Lord is at work. Resting in the promises of God for you in Christ. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. In vain do you rise early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For He gives His beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb are a reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He will not be ashamed when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Psalm 127. Now, I want us to take a moment to be absolutely clear on what problem is being addressed in this psalm. And that is the one that all of us parents are familiar with. Anxiety about our kids in this scary world. All right, show of hands. Anybody with me on this? Anybody know what this is all about? And Christ is the answer to the problem of my anxiety. Christ is the answer because as we will see in this passage, Christ is the one who gives us rest when we trust. Furthermore, Christ is the answer because He promised us that His yoke is easy, His burden is light, and that our labor trusting Him will not be in vain. Our psalm today is and Solomon's anticipation of this promise for all of those whom God loves. And that is why you and I don't need to fret. We don't need to rage. We don't need to regret. Because my friends, this world is a perfectly safe place for God's children to be. This world is a perfectly safe place for God's children to be. Christian, you are safe and you are loved. 
That's why you can trust, you can work, you can rejoice, and you can do it all over again tomorrow. Now let's water ski through our passage first so we can get a glimpse of these four commands that we'll find. We see in verse 1 that we must work. If you don't build the house, it won't be built. Now, can God snap His fingers and give you a house? Well, of course He can. Does God do that on a regular basis? No. Instead, what we find all the way through Scripture is God commands us to work. And no less so here. But then God also commands us to trust. That's what we see in verse 2. How do you and I go about building not in vain? How do you and I go about guarding not in vain? Rather than fretting and stewing about my own meager resources, we rest. We rest in the fact that God will bless what we do when we are looking towards Him. He will bless us as we are doing what we find Him calling us to do. Whether what we are doing is successful in our eyes or not. And sometimes what we are called to do is to build and watch and change diapers of little kids. Then, of course, there's sleep. And if you're anything like me, sleep is a cause of rejoicing. Amen? And we rejoice also because our work works. Because we see the Lord build. We see the Lord watch through us. And because He is doing this through us, we get up the next day and we start the cycle all over again. Verses 3 and 4. But, you know, as we get to verses 3 and 4, I've made a discovery. I don't know if you guys know this or not. But raising little children in your mid-late 40s is a little bit different than raising children in your young mid-30s. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but if you try it, it's true. I got out of bed this last Thursday... And I was thinking to myself, wait, when do I get to go back to bed? (laughs) Anybody with me on that? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Raising children is work. And if you don't think so, you're lying to yourself or you're part of the problem. (laughs) And raising children is a work of joyful trust. And that's what verse 5 is all about. Oh Lord, our children are such a source of joy. Children, you have no ideas how much we parents rejoice over your victories. You have no idea how much joy it gives us to see you maturing. You have no idea how much joy it gives us to see you sleep. Especially when you're babies. And you have no idea how much joy it gives us just to hold you for a moment. Especially when you're teenagers. Three years ago, this last Friday, we got our Eliana Wulanding. This is us in a park uh, in Guangzhou. And I called this my golden smile girl. That, That smile, just so wonderful. 
And I like to wear this shirt at least twice a year to remind myself what a gift this precious girl is. She is a bundle of love and giggles and energy. But, you know, there are some who talked to us when we were in this process of adoption. What kind of crazy person would, given how absurd and insane our world is today, choose to go and get another child? Well, God would. In fact, not only that, but God commands people living in a crazy, insane world to do that. In Jeremiah 29.6, as Israel is being taken in captivity to Babylon, this is what the Lord says through Jeremiah. He says, take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may have sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. Now, it was a scary world when Israel was being taken to Babylon. It's a scary world as our nation is headed in the same direction. But we and they can trust God's promises. And so we can be brave. We can be loving. We can be fruitful. And I think this is exactly why Solomon wrote this song of trust for those who have a God-saturated view of the world as a place that is perfectly safe for everyone who trusts God's promises for them in Christ. So we must trust, we must work, we must rejoice, and we do it all over again. Now, to trust, remember, is to step out believing that God is going to come through. To trust is to take a risk that will hurt if God, doesn't, if God fails. To trust, furthermore, is to rest from anxiety while you build and watch and clean up Cheerios off the floor. You see, the opposite of trust is not work. The opposite of trust is restlessness. The opposite of trust is vanity. The opposite of trust is anxiety. Now you may remember Pastor Benji preached on this exact psalm last April and one of the things he said was rest is the antidote to our capacity for anxiety. That is exactly right. Rest is what we gain when we trust Yahweh. When we trust Jesus. And our psalm today is not an excuse to forsake work. Our psalm today is a reason to work. Because God is at work, we can work. Because God is at work, we must work. Including the hard work of discipling our families. Including the hard work of putting up with people who are mad at us for reasons we have no control over. Because we live in a culture that is allergic to work, we must remember Grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning. 
And you and I, Christian, we are governed and we are empowered by grace. So we can get up in the morning and we can do what we must, trusting that God will give us what we can't do for ourselves. And we can get up, we can work, and we can rejoice in our work, and we can get up the next day and do it all over again, even when the kids are sick, the house is a mess, and our best laid plans have gone awry. So let me show you this in God's Word. Verses 1 and 2. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. In vain. Do you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil? Why? Why, Solomon? Because he gives his beloved sleep. John Piper wrote an article one time, The Theology of Sleep. And he says we have to time out ourselves. We have to put ourselves in time out for eight hours a day just to remind us who really is in control when we can do nothing. The key word in these two verses appears to be vain. Vanity is a word used in the Old Testament to refer to things that are worthless, to refer to things that are temporary, even to refer to things that are just false. No wonder, no wonder our culture is just filled with anxiety because we trust exactly these things. In Solomon's God-saturated worldview is stunningly refreshing and relevant to you and me right now. What are you trusting? Are you trusting in your stuff? Are you trusting in your circumstances? Are you trusting in your relationships? All of these things can melt away like snow in Death Valley. And the most commonly trusted God in this culture is money. So Solomon also had something to say about that. He says in the Proverbs, Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to know when to desist. When your eyes light on it, it is gone. And suddenly sprouts wings and like an eagle flies to heaven. You ever seen that bird fly? I have. You will not rest when you're keeping your eyes on that bird. In response to the question, how much more money do you need? One rich man answered, just a little more. Vanity. Worthless. Short-lived. False. You cannot rest if all you're doing is chasing the bird of wealth. And God won't bless it. But the key idea in these two verses is the contrast that Solomon makes between anxious toil and rest. 
One who is beloved of the Lord is able to sleep, to rest. And the one who trusts in money can't help but toil anxiously because your money won't last the next economic downturn. Your money won't buy you a new body when this one wears out. And your money certainly won't buy you good decisions by your children. And while this is true, we must still go to work. We still need to collect a paycheck. We still need to be wise with our money. We need to build and we need to guard. And we do the building and guarding, pleasing the Lord while we are doing it because He is the one who guarantees that our labor will not be in vain. Which is why we don't steal light and cheat. We don't do these things because we're working to please the one who hates those things. And if we are stealing and lying and cheating, it's because we're chasing after the false god of cash who will let you down. Ask Steve Jobs. Rest. Peace is the result of trust in something that can be depended upon. Vanity and anxiety is the result of trusting in something that cannot be depended upon. Here's how to test which you're depending upon. Ask your heart, am I anxious? When you're anxious, Pray and say, Lord, show me what I'm depending upon right now. And He will. He'll reveal to you what you're depending upon. And if you find that at that moment you're not depending upon the Lord, repent. Lord, forgive me. Let me trust in Your promises. Then go back to God's Word. Find out promises that are there and believe them. Trust them. Know them. And if you need help with that, call one of us. We'll give you a promise from the Word. If you are rest, resting, then praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. But know this. Know this. No one is perfect. No one has arrived. You will find yourself trusting in money at one time and you'll find yourself trusting in God's promises in the next. And that's okay. You're human. God knows. But when you find yourself trusting in money, go back to trusting God's promises. Keep coming back to trust the promises of God for you in Christ. Keep coming back to trusting in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Keep coming back to what Christ has done for you and then you will work because you will see clearly you are safe and you are loved. So trust, work, rejoice, and do it all over again. Now there is an interesting little hidden treasure in verse 2. When David and Bathsheba had their first son, they named him Solomon. But the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to David and Bathsheba and said, um, I'm calling him Jedidiah. And Jedidiah means beloved of the Lord. So here in verse 2, when Solomon signs, he gives his beloved rest, he's signing the deposit slip 
that deposits the promises of God for him in Christ. But you know what? Solomon is not the only Jedediah of Scripture. Twice God the Father calls Jesus my beloved son in Matthew 3 and Matthew 17. (laughs) No, that doesn't surprise anyone. But what does surprise us is that we are also granted to be called beloved. You see, the difference between Christianity and every other religion on the world is that Scripture tells us you and I can be in Christ. We can be in the Beloved. We can take part in the promises of God for us in Jesus. Now, I tell you what. Close your eyes and listen. Really listen to this Scripture. Ephesians chapter 1. Receive this, people. Please receive this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. And all of this is to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. Go home today and as you are eating your lunch, reread Ephesians 1, 3-6. Breathe this grace so that you can rest in Him. Do you realize you can rest even in the storm while you're in a boat on the Sea of Galilee? Do you know that you can rest even when you're in a storm in your car in Santa Maria, California? It's true. You, Christian, are beloved in the Lord no matter what your name is. So trust, work, rejoice, and repeat. You, Christian, can claim the promises of this passage as your own. You, Christian, can trust that Jesus won these promises on the cross and that therefore you can trust while you work and you can rejoice while you work and you can keep that work up until Christ returns. Oh, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Now, this is so wonderful. And as we're reading this, we get to the second half of our psalm and kind of, wait, there seems to be kind of a jump in what's going on. And he continues in verse 3. He says, Behold, children are a heritage of the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children of one's use. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them, for he will not be ashamed when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Now, at first you you get to this and you're like, wait a minute, how do these two halves of the psalm fit together? 
And remember the key contrast in verses 1 and 2 is all about between anxious toil and rest as the result of trusting in Yahweh's promises. Even while we are hard at work. Now those who trust in God's promises can rest. Trusting in anything and even everything else is the source of vanity and anxiety. Nowhere, perhaps, is this more true than in the nurturing of children. And in this culture, being the father who is responsible and therefore the one who takes an active role in the nurturing and disciplining, in the guiding and protecting, is looked down upon. It's even ridiculed. But Jesus tells us that wisdom is justified by all her children. Being authoritative without being authoritarian is essential to raising godly men and women who can do what my two-year-old was able to do, and that is tell the difference between a boy and a girl. Oh my goodness, our culture is racing towards insanity. That is why, Christian, you and I need to trust We need to work, we need to rejoice, and we need to repeat. This brings us to something else that's going on in verse 5. Solomon talks about the gate, and the gate here is a double reference. The gate was where in ancient Israel legal disputes were carried out. Therefore, speaking with his enemies carries a judicial kind of sense. But the gate was also simply where community happened. The gate was where old men talked about the weather and where old women talked about old men. It it, it just is what happened. So you go to the gate and Judah is bad-talking Abraham over there and the rest of the city is going, hmm, yeah, that might be true, but you know, Abe's got good kids. So he can't be all bad. Christian, Father's Day is not about getting good-looking boots, which my wife got me, just in case you didn't catch that. It's not about barbecuing ribs, which we're going to do in a couple hours. Father's Day for Christians is about changing your world by changing the way you think about parenting. Father's Day for Christians is about trusting and working and rejoicing and getting up to do it tomorrow. Father's Day is all about creating a very counter-cultural culture in your home, whether you're mom, dad, or kid, or grandparent. Father's Day is all about having an attitude of work while trusting that it is Jesus who conforms, who confirms our work and makes us fruitful for His purposes. And this kind of trust says that no matter whether our lean-to works or not, we are in a perfectly safe world to be and to work and to trust and to rejoice and do it all over again tomorrow. Christian, you are in a perfectly safe place to be because no matter what the world does to hurt you, 
and it will hurt you. No matter what the world does to hurt you, God will make sure that nothing, nothing, nothing will be for your ultimate harm. This is the first step towards making this culture a place where murdering 60 million babies in my lifetime is unthinkable and inexcusable. This is the first step towards making this culture a place where the dumbing down of masculinity at fatherhood at every media opportunity is just ridiculous. This is the first step towards making this culture a place where not holding individuals responsible is absurd. That step is living in such a way that trust and not anxious toil is the motivating joy in all that you do and don't do. My friends, if you live like that, the world will notice. Living as a godly man or woman, trusting in Christ's finished work and expecting men and women so to live is the first step towards creating the culture our culture needs. Yeah, but let's get real. Come on, Pastor Greg. You're, you're talking about a fantasy. Okay, I want to see a show of hands. How many people in this room have perfect kids? Okay, you're all lying. We'll talk about that next week. Well, my kids can't be perfect because they got me as a dad. But remember, this is not about perfection. This is about grace. This is about trust. This is about God doing what we can't do. And my friends, there is a lot you can do when you are trusting the promises of God for you in Christ. And above all, remember, Christ is the solution. Christ is the answer to our problem. What, Pastor Greg, what is that solution? The problem of our anxiety in raising our children is solved when we look for words from Christ as to how to deal with this problem. Oh my Lord, are there such words? Ha! Fortunately, there is. It's found in Matthew chapter 11, verses 22 to 28 to 30. Come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart, and you will find rest. For your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In Psalm 127, Solomon anticipated Jesus' promise for you in Matthew 11. He understood that the personal creator king of the universe is powerful and gracious and loving and he will provide for you for your children when you trust in him. And He will give you the rest you need even when your kids are puking at 2 a.m., even when you have to clean up the spill of Cheerios for the upteenth time, and even when your child says why for the 60th time that hour. Christian, you are safe and you are loved. Therefore, trust, work, rejoice, and repeat. 
Lord Almighty, we come before You because once again we find that we are unable to do what we are asked to do. And therefore, we rest in Your promises. The ones found here in Psalm 127 and the ones found in Matthew chapter 11. Give us, Lord, give us to know Your power and Your willingness to say yes to all the promises You have given us in Christ so that we will be the men and women of God and our children will be the men and women of God You have created us to be. In Jesus' name, Amen.